Welcome to Date with History, the podcast that uses AI to bring you face to face with the movers and shakers of the past. In our first edition, we have an interview with the legendary Steve Jobs. But remember, every word you hear is made up by artificial intelligence. Enjoy Date with History, Episode 1 Steve Jobs. Good morning, Steve. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Good morning, Chris. It is great to be here. So I'd say let's jump right into it. You resigned as Apple CEO in 2011. Looking at Apple today, are you happy with how Tim Cook runs the company? Well, I have mixed feelings about that. On the one hand, I'm proud of what Apple has accomplished under Tim's leadership. The company has continued to innovate and push boundaries, which is exactly what I would have wanted. On the other hand, I have always been very particular about the way I wanted things done, and sometimes I feel like my vision isn't being fully realized. But overall, I think Tim is doing a great job. Interesting. Well, I do know you have always been quite vocal and specific about your ideas and vision for Apple. But can you elaborate uh, on what you mean? Sure. One of the things that was always important to me was creating products that were both beautiful and functional. I think that's something that Apple has always excelled at. Uh -huh. While the company has continued to make great products under Tim's leadership, I think there have been times when the design hasn't been as much of a focus as I would have liked. But again, I think Tim is doing a great job overall, and I'm proud of what Apple has accomplished under his leadership. Can you name some examples? I mean, what designs are you not satisfied with? Well, I think one example is the Apple Watch. While the Apple Watch is a great product, I feel like the design could have been pushed even further. When I was at Apple, I was always pushing for simplicity and elegance in our designs. I think the Apple Watch could have been even simpler and more elegant than it is. Speaking of pushing the design, I think it's no secret that you've been the driver behind most of Apple's breakthrough products, right? I mean, look at the Macintosh, the iPod, the iPhone. Looking at Apple's product map today, do you believe Apple has stopped innovating since you've been gone? Well, innovation is a funny thing. It's not always easy to measure, and it's not always clear what constitutes innovation. We were always trying to create products that people didn't even know they wanted yet, and I think Apple is still doing that today. I think there are always areas where any company can be doing more to innovate. One area that I was always interested in was virtual and augmented reality. I think this is an area that Apple could be doing more in. And I'm excited to see what the company comes up with in this space in the future. But in all honesty, Chris, you're getting me in trouble here. I understand you want to know these things, but let's not get down that road any further. It could create some headaches for me. Tim is a great friend of mine, and he is doing an incredible job. Of course, of course. I, I definitely understand the boundaries. Listen, the last thing I want is to cause any trouble. Uh, so, you just mentioned augmented reality. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the next big things in tech. What do you see as the next big technological advancements that will shape humanity in the decades to come? Well, there are a few trends that I think are particularly interesting right now. One of them is artificial intelligence. AI has the potential to change the way we live and work in ways we can't even imagine yet. From self-driving cars to personalized medicine, The possibilities are endless. That's a great point. I mean, AI is the reason why we are able to talk here today. 
But what do you think about the ethical implications of AI? I think that's a really important question, and it's one that we need to be thinking about as a society. With great power comes great responsibility, and we need to make sure that we're using AI in a way that is ethical and benefits humanity as a whole. That means being transparent about how we're using AI and being thoughtful about the potential consequences. One of my main concerns is the potential impact that AI could have on jobs in the workforce. As AI and automation become more widespread, there is a risk that many jobs could be displaced or become obsolete. This could have significant economic and social consequences, particularly for those who are most vulnerable. Another concern is the potential for bias and discrimination in AI systems. AI algorithms are only as good as the data they are trained on. And if that data is biased or flawed, then the resulting algorithms could perpetuate that bias. This could lead to discrimination against certain groups of people, particularly those who are already marginalized or underrepresented. Then there are also concerns about the potential for AI to be used for nefarious purposes, such as cyber attacks, surveillance, or other malicious activities. As AI becomes more advanced, it could become more difficult to detect and defend against these types of threats. Overall, it's important that we approach the development and adoption of AI with caution and a deep understanding of both the potential benefits and risks. It's up to all of us to work together to ensure that AI is used in a responsible and ethical way for the benefit of all members of society. Yeah, I, I fully agree. Steve, let's uh, shift gears a little bit. I would like to ask you a personal question. Your leadership style at Apple was often described as very effective, but some critics also said that you could be rude and abrasive at times. Looking back, do you think you would pursue a different leadership style? I think it's important to remember that leadership is a complex thing, and there are many different approaches that can be effective in different contexts. At Apple, we were always trying to push the boundaries of what was possible, and that required a certain level of focus and intensity. In some cases, that meant being direct and straightforward with people. However, I also recognized that there were times when I needed to be more patient and understanding with people. Over time, I think I became better at balancing these different approaches. And I believe that our success at Apple was a result of finding the right balance between intensity and empathy. That's interesting. So let's go down memory lane. Can you share with us a specific example where your way of leading people uh, worked out well and one where it didn't work out well? Well, there are certainly many examples of both. One memory that stands out to me is when we were developing the original Macintosh computer. There was a lot of resistance within Apple to the idea of creating a computer that was both powerful and easy to use, and we had to overcome a lot of obstacles to bring the product to market. During this time, I was very focused on making sure that the Macintosh was designed to be the best possible product, even if it meant pushing back against people who were resistant to change. I remember being in a meeting with a group of engineers and designers, and one of the engineers was arguing that we couldn't make the Macintosh as user-friendly as we wanted because it would require too much processing power. I got frustrated with this resistance, and I slammed my fist on the table and said, if we can't do it, then we'll find someone who can. Looking back, I realized that this was a somewhat extreme reaction, but it ended up having a positive outcome. The engineers and designers on the project 
were inspired by my passion and commitment to the product, and they ended up working together to create something truly amazing. On the other hand, there have certainly been times when my leadership style had a negative outcome. One example that comes to mind is when we launched the MobileMe service in 2008. This was a service that was intended to be a replacement for our Mac service, but it was plagued with technical issues and user complaints from the start. In this case, I think that my focus on perfection and my desire to create something truly great ended up working against us. We launched the service before it was ready, and we didn't listen closely enough to user feedback. As a result, we ended up with a product that was widely panned and that ultimately had to be discontinued. So I think it's important to recognize that leadership is a complex thing. And there are times when even the best leaders will make mistakes. The key is to learn from those mistakes and to keep working to improve over time. Those are some great examples. Thanks for sharing so open. Steve, I would like to talk about your famous commencement address at Stanford that had inspired a lot of people. It certainly had an effect on me. One of your most famous lines from that speech is the advice to graduates to stay hungry, stay foolish. Certainly one of your principles for life. I think there are countless examples where you followed that principle. But I'm curious, what is the one thing in life where you were not hungry or not foolish enough? That's a great question. When I gave that speech, I was reflecting on my own life and the decisions I had made that led me to where I was at that moment. And while I do believe that staying hungry and staying foolish is an important mindset to have, I also recognize that there were times when I wasn't hungry or foolish enough. One example that comes to mind is the way I approached philanthropy earlier in my life. For many years, I was primarily focused on building great products and growing Apple into the company it is today. I didn't pay as much attention to giving back to society or making a positive impact in the world as I should have. In fact, I was often criticized for not being more philanthropic. And while I do believe that Apple has had a positive impact on the world through the products we've created, I also recognize that there is more to life than just business success. Later in my life, I did start to focus more on philanthropy and giving back to society. But looking back, I do wish that I had been more focused on this earlier in my career. I think it's important to remember that success is not just about what you achieve, but also about the impact you have on the world around you. And in that sense, I could have been more hungry and more foolish. And what specific philanthropic causes would you have liked to pursue? And more importantly, what would your approach look like? Sure. I believe that education is one of the most important areas where philanthropy can have a huge impact. I think everyone should have access to high-quality education, regardless of their background or financial situation. That's why, in the latter part of my life, I focused much of my philanthropic efforts on supporting education. In particular, I would have liked to support efforts to improve science, technology, engineering, and math, STEM education in the United States. I believe that these fields are critical to our country's future, and that we need to invest more in developing the next generation of innovators and problem solvers. In terms of how I would have gone about it, I believe that philanthropy should be focused on making real, measurable impacts. So I would have looked for organizations and programs that had a track record of success and were able to demonstrate the effectiveness of their work. 
At the same time, I would have wanted to be involved in the philanthropic efforts myself, rather than simply writing a check and leaving it at that. I think it's important to engage with the organizations and individuals you're supporting, to understand their needs and challenges, and to work collaboratively to achieve shared goals. Overall, I believe that philanthropy is an important way to make a positive impact in the world, and I wish that I had started focusing on it earlier in my life. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So, Steve, we're almost at the end of the interview, but there's one more thing before I can let you go, and I'm really curious to hear your perspective. Please review the latest iPhone. What do you like about it? But more importantly, what do you dislike about it? Well, first of all, I have to say that I'm always excited to see what new innovations and features Apple brings to its products, and the new iPhone is certainly no exception. In terms of what I like about it, I think that the camera is particularly impressive. Apple has always been a leader in mobile photography, and the new iPhone's camera takes that to the next level. The improved night mode, the ability to capture pro-raw images, and the enhanced video capabilities are all really exciting developments. I also appreciate the improvements that have been made to the device's performance and battery life. The new A15 Bionic chip is incredibly powerful, and the battery life improvements are going to be a real game changer for many users. As for what I dislike, I think that the design is somewhat uninspired. While the new iPhone is certainly a high-quality and well-built device, it doesn't really push the envelope in terms of design. I think that Apple has always been at its best when it is challenging itself to create truly innovative and groundbreaking designs. And the new iPhone falls short in that regard. If I were in charge of the design process, I would want to see Apple push the boundaries and take more risks with the design of the iPhone. I would also like to see more emphasis on sustainability and environmental friendliness in the design and manufacturing process, as these are issues that are becoming increasingly important to consumers. Overall, though, I think that the new iPhone is a strong product, and I have no doubt that it will be very successful in the market. I'm excited to see where Apple will take its mobile devices in the years to come. Wow. Well, uh, now I'm curious, Steve. Last follow-up question, and then I will let you off the hook. So, how would you push the design boundaries? What risks would you take? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I do think that sustainability and environmental friendliness are important factors to consider when it comes to product design. So that would definitely be an area of focus for me. I would want to explore ways to make the iPhone more sustainable and environmentally friendly, both in terms of the materials used in its construction and its overall life cycle. In terms of more specific design changes, I do think that there is room for Apple to explore new form factors and design concepts. I don't necessarily think that a foldable phone is the answer, but I do believe that there are other ways that Apple could innovate in terms of design. For example, perhaps there could be more emphasis on modularity, where users could swap out different components or modules to customize the device to their specific needs. Or perhaps there could be more focus on integrating AI and other advanced technologies directly into the design of the device so that it becomes an even more integral part of our lives. Ultimately, though, any new design concept would have to balance innovation with practicality and usability. It's important to remember that Apple's products are used by millions of people around the world, and any design changes need to be carefully considered to ensure that they are both functional and intuitive for users. 
very interesting ideas. I, I must agree. I'd certainly be interested in seeing more modularity in the iPhone. So, Steve, I think that's it. Thank you so much for taking your time today. It was really fascinating talking to you. Have a great day and hopefully talk soon. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to be here, Chris. Goodbye and talk soon. Well, this was fun. I didn't expect him or it to criticize uh, Tim Cook, to be honest. So just a reminder, you didn't hear Steve Jobs. You heard AI imitating Steve Jobs. What that means is it is a statistical model that calculates the next logical words based on the data available. I think it's really fun to play with AI, create bots and engage in conversation just to see what answers they're coming up with. So let me know who you want me to interview next. This was Date with History.